and welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As usual, I am your host, Robert Jean Pileccio. Uh, changing things up a little bit this month, this is something I talked about in the last episode, and because I said it on air in the last episode, it was kind of like a way to force myself into following through. Um, as you may or may not have noticed in Trumpet history, I have a slight propensity to talk a lot, and so do my guests. And our conversations generally tend to branch off from the topic uh, into the wider world of theater. So I thought, why not embrace that? And this is something that's been cooking up for a little bit. Um, and I'm very excited with the guests I have to kind of field test this type of episode. Uh, they have both appeared on the trumpet before, so you've heard them, not gotten to know them. Um, I am very happy to be joined by uh, former trumpetites and two of my best friends, Meg Falasco and Sean Yates. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Hi. For listeners of The Trumpet, uh, you will have heard Sean and Meg multiple times. Uh, You will have heard them together in episode 17 when we talked about Davy Stratton White's play Girl with Aeroplane. Um, Sean played Bill. Meg played Irene. This was the scene where older Amelia Earhart repeatedly mentions that she's going to do something unmentionable to his loafers because he won't uh, stop pestering her about whether or not she's Amelia Earhart. Um, But because they've only heard you uh, voice-wise, before we jump into our discussion today, um, can I ask you both to just give just a little hello and a little brief uh, what your theater background is and how you... uh, Meg is pointing at Sean. Ladies (laughs) first, Meg. Ladies first. Oh, dang it. Uh, hey guys, I'm Meg Polasco. I'm an actress from uh, the greater Philadelphia area. Um, I tend to do a lot of musical theater over uh, the straight plays, and I'm known for doing some campy stuff in the area. And I'm Sean Yates. I am originally from Texas. I left my accent there before you anyone asks. Um, I, too, do primarily musical theater, but for quite a while I stepped away from that and did mostly straight plays when I first moved to the area. Um, A little history about Mega and I together. We've known each other for, what, eight years now? Eight years. Eight years. And um, we met when I killed her in a musical. So (laughs) there's that. I believe the correct term is you ate my hand in a musical. On a pizza. On a pizza that I had to craft every night. Yeah. I feel like I know the answer to this, but was this Texas Chainsaw or was this... Uh, oh, this is Texas Chainsaw. Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Musical. Um, so, with that out of the way, the topic of today's episode is musicals. Um, now, uh, Surprise! To, to kind of... Uh, which is why I picked these two wonderful musical theater actors to talk with me today. Uh, the reason I wanted to lead with this topic is uh, two reasons. One, I love musicals i have always loved musicals i'm sure i have told on this podcast somewhere the story of when i was four and my mother in an attempt to make me normal bought a batman playset for me and then one day heard me playing phantom of the opera with it um the uh the other reason is uh a lot of the shows we cover with elephant room productions a lot of the shows we produce a lot of the shows we uh we find in our submissions and a lot of the shows I've talked about on this podcast um, are definitely a little in the heavier uh, topic (laughs) category. Um, So I wanted to kind of test out this discussion idea. I wanted to start off with a little bit of a lighter topic. Um, 
And we're not just talking about musicals today. We're talking about a very specific type of musical. Something I've been finding more and more recently is you're seeing a lot more musicals adapted from various other mediums like TV and film. Uh, now, I, I understand almost every musical out there is adapted from something, but I'm talking about in more recent years, I've been noticing more and more films, TV shows, uh, very odd mediums that you would not expect to be musicals, like, as we may have mentioned, the Texas Chainsaw musical, um, have been kind of coming into fruition. So to kind of start the ball rolling on this conversation, um, I just wanted to kind of talk about when uh, did each of us kind of first begin to notice these types of shows really coming into prevalence? Because as I said, there is, I actually just found out recently, Sean is in a production of Guys and Dolls that I did not know Guys and Dolls was based on um, short stories. Um, yeah. uh, you know, all the classic book musicals like West Side Story, based on Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, Sound of Music, inspired by true events. Um, the thing that I've noticed is the window between the original source and the musical has been getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> So um, I guess I'll start with you, Meg. Where what kind of stands out to you as when you first started to notice? Wait a minute, is is this a this is hmm? Uh, so actually, uh, I'm going to point to a time in high school. So I started listening to a then off Broadway show called Title of Show back when I was in high school, and there's a specific song on the album. Spoiler alert. Uh, that references all of the adaptions that have been on Broadway, are currently on Broadway, et cetera, et cetera. And since that play has since itself progressed to Broadway, has added more and more and more and more. Uh, but back then, it was kind of eye-opening to about, what, 16-year-old me, that all of these things that I had been listening to have been adaptions. Because at that age, I wasn't heavily aware of the source material in some cases in terms of like older movies that had been adapted, um, older books that had been adapted. So that was a big eye-opening experience for me. What about you, Sean? Um, I'd, for me, it was probably, I don't know, I would say I was in college where I discovered um, the show She Loves Me and the music from she loves me and i was like oh this is this is based on the book the shop around the corner but that was also the same book that the movie sleepless in seattle no no uh, you've one? got mail you've got mail was based on and i'm like oh so those are two of the basically the same thing to which you learn even further it goes it kept going further back to i don't remember what the original source le petit something a french store story the parfumery that, yeah the parfumery yes thank you robert knowing all of my history of musical theater <laughs> it's all it's only because a uh, theater that sean and i have uh both recently worked at just did it for as their christmas show and i became obsessed with the musical that way it's very rare for me to find a musical that i don't immediately become obsessed with and i mean there were there were always the obvious ones such as um Romeo and Juliet being the source material for for West Side Story um but it it became like it became obvious in there and and I started noticing it more uh, a couple of years later I was in a production of All Shook Up which is based on Shakespeare's Twelfth Night uh just only using Elvis Presley music and it's a hilarious show 
Um, well, I guess for me, I'm I'm gonna parrot uh, I'm gonna parrot Meg and say it was uh, it was in high school because I remember it the the kind of the the huge musicals at the time when I was in high school were um, you know it was Wicked, which based on a book. There was Rent was still going strong based on Lobo M. I was just about M. to say I completely forgot about Rent. I was yeah. in high school and we all knew that Rent was based yeah. on Lobo M. Um, yeah, definitely seconding that one. And then uh, you know, it kind of high school into college is when you know Spamalot first became kind of going into fruition. Uh, next, uh, next to Normal, I think was the first one in like recent memory for me. I kind of thought it out that is not specifically you know based around you know something. That, unless I'm incorrect, not on the this. best of my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, and even now, like thinking about what's on Broadway right now, you know, Dear Evan Hansen and SpongeBob has just previously closed yeah. earlier today. Well, so, I mean, but SpongeBob adapted from the the TV show SpongeBob well, SquarePants. I think Dear Evan yeah. Hansen was yeah. adapted from a book. Well, I know there's a book based on the musical, but I don't know oh, if it was. Is it, is it backwards? There? It, it actually is that backwards what it is? It goes backwards. Um, but no, for me, it was. It, um, it, it was. I had to think about it, and I was like. I wonder, I, I don't think that there are, you know, that many that are, you know, brand spanking new. True original. I, I will say Book of Mormon, I guess you could say, although one could argue that that is, <laughs> it's, it's not a faithful adaptation of the book. Um, so for me, what, um, what's, what I started to notice was, like I said, the window between what was being adapted and making it to stage was getting smaller and smaller. And, um, uh, the other thing is, I think it's, there's an interesting distinction from, you know, the Disney musicals or, uh, like movies that in and of themselves were musical films that got stage adaptations. I don't necessarily count, um, as a part of this idea because this, it's, it's more, it's more about taking something that you would not expect to be a musical and kind of throwing it into the forefront um and i think that's the perfect way to transition into you know the next part of this discussion is um what are you know between all of us what are the top concepts like tv shows films whatever that have been adapted into broadway musicals that ended up working really well and let's be honest which ones didn't quite hit the mark um, well, I mean, I think you can't, you can't have that, this question without the answer being the producers, which was pretty much the exactly f- on my list. first <laughs> one that was an adaptation from a movie that just like took the Tonys by storm was at the time the re- won the record amount of Tonys you could win. And, uh, it just it was it was iconic and it trans it i don't know that it transformed but i i would say it reinvigorated broadway in the fact that oh hey we can take these so it's it opened the door for the disney ones for things like hairspray for um dirty rotten scoundrels shows that were straight films but then turned into music or turned into musicals which, with the exception of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah. kind of winds up turning back into musical movies. <laughs> Although I'm ready and for I, that. Let's let's have Dirty sure. Rotten Scoundrels the, <laughs> the musical movie. And to kind of build off of this, I think producers succeeded as much as it did because 
it lent itself in its ridiculousness so much to musical theater. Because mm-hmm. as much of the time where like musicals can be a serious medium, they, they do lend themselves to the ridiculous and to expand upon that camp and that right. kitsch. And the musicals that we've just named, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Producers, um, I'll throw Spamalot in there as well. Sure. It just inflates the comedy style that has already been imbued in those movies. So it's such a complementary force that it kind of takes it by storm. And and I think it helps a lot that a lot for a lot of these ones that we just mentioned, the fact that the original creators of the original source material were so heavily involved. Right. Agreed. Uh, yeah, because I because honestly, and this yeah, we might hit on this in a little bit when we get to kind of the the negative end of the needle. But there are definitely examples where that was not the case, <laughs> and, it def- and it shows in the adaptation. Um, now, for me, what something that I never expected to work. Meg brought up SpongeBob earlier. Um, SpongeBob is actually ended up being one of my favorite musicals of really? 2018. Or sorry, 2017. Um, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. But it was when I first heard that concept, I thought there is we've gone too far now. Like there is nothing sacred of something being adapted uh, into a musical. And then I saw it and they they really what what made it work was that it and even the director said that when they offered it to the director, she said she almost said no because she was picturing mascot costumes and, you know, you know, some kind of thing. And they're like, nope, this is what we're doing. And, you know, everyone is in, you know, human clothes, essentially. Like, the the set design and the costume design is all very implied. Uh, and the... By all stretch of the imagination, it should not work as a musical because it, almost every song is composed by someone else. And it's this random hodgepodge of songs and song styles that don't necessarily fit together. And yet somehow do. Um, so yeah, that that one really took me by surprise. Um, I'm trying to think of another uh, of one that was I honestly another a weird one. And this was kind of this might be going back to the first point where I first kind of noticed like uh, all right, I guess anything can be a musical. It was Legally Blonde, um, and I had actually never seen the film Legally Blonde. I'm going to go on record by saying I still have not seen it. <gasps> Sacrilege. I know, I know. I love Victor Garber. I'll see it someday. Um, but I actually really like the musical. Um, I love Victor Garber. Don't I think the Legally Blonde musical is actually really well thought out. And mm-hmm. definitely, again, it plays to the original theme of the movie itself. Like, if you look at Elwood, she's over the top. She goes through it with um, her application video. Like, that is her personality. So mm-hmm. just to lend that self to musicals, it translated so well from the costuming to the poppy music. It, it was a natural compliment once again. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I did see that on Broadway, um, I, I guess within its first year or so, and I went in really expecting nothing with absolute zero expectations and was blown away. It was one of those shows that you, it was so obvious the cast was having a blast performing it. Um, it, it was just like the music just was so catchy. You would walk away, it, it's a show that you walk away humming. You, you walk away humming the songs. Most definitely. Well, I think, and Meg hit on it too. And this is, I think, this is going to, I think, inform the next question um, a lot. But I, what makes that work and what makes all of these uh, strange adaptations work uh, as in musical form is that thought was given to how will this work as a musical, 
what is the story we are telling? How is, you know, how does, how do the songs help inform the story? Um, versus, you know, some other shows that might not. Now I, I, I can't, it's not fair for me to use this as an example because I haven't seen it, but I remember when Adam's family came out, it got a little bit panned. I could say a a whole nother podcast about Adam's family (laughs) because I was lucky enough to see that on Broadway. I I believe it was, who who was, it was Nathan Lane and who? It was Nathan Lane and B.B. Newark as, uh, oh God. Gomez. Yeah, as Morticia. I I remember reading a review and maybe this wasn't the most fair review, but it said, um, Adam's family, it, it, it specifically referred to Nathan Lane and Baby Newworth, and it said, uh, Adam's family, the musical, is uh, two wonderful, fantastic actors trapped in a terrible musical. And I totally agree from like what even, I always talk about the ensemble in Adam's family because they, they are the lifeblood of that musical yeah. and they were giving their all, but that was a musical that didn't know where it wanted to mm. sit in the score. It had so many different stylings that just weren't cohesive. You have ukulele solos with these pop anthems with these like rising operatic moments. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't know where to settle and it doesn't know how to work with itself. And it doesn't it doesn't know what the plot wants to be because right. it's like, here's all the Adams family, here's the comics, here's the movies, here's twenty plus years of lore. How do yep. you condense that into a two hour thing that conglomerates all of that? And that like that's what I was going to say was it was unsure of its source material. It didn't mm. just pick like the T V series or the comics or the movies. It it tried to pull from everything and give you give, give it tried to give something to everyone who had experienced that the, the Adams family yeah no matter where their experience came from and it right. reached stretched too far i suppose so what so what do you think is uh most essential for um for an unlikely concept to flourish as a musical personally I think it needs to strike a balance between giving a nod to the original source work mm-hmm. while also legitimizing why it needs to be redone. So it needs something new to revitalize mm-hmm. it. Like, why change it over to a musical if you're just going to rehash the score word right. for word mm-hmm. and put it over music? There, there's no benefit to seeing that. There's no new discovery in that right. at all. Um, it's actually, it's funny. This This is kind of getting out of the... Uh, getting out of the era that I was kind of transitioning the conversation in, but going way back to the 80s. Um, but I was lucky enough to get to be a part of a wonderful production of a show that I still stand by over the summer, uh, Do Black Patent Leather Shoes Really Reflect Up, um, which is based on a book about uh, young children growing up through Catholic school. And the musical... You you kind of you reminded me of that a lot. It is I, I still stand by it, but the musical could not decide what each song was supposed. Every song from that show is from a different musical because it came out at the advent of it came out right around the time a chorus line came out. Um, you know, a lot of other like well known stood the test of time book musicals, and there's like there's one song that's a ballad. There's one song that's a kind of like rock pop doo-wop song there's one song that is the chorus line like it's basically one (laughs) with like um you know this whole big like dance thing and 
I think that's that's one of the reasons. It's notoriously it ran for I think it was like four years in Chicago and then five days on Broadway. Um, <laughs> I think for that reason. And also, I can't believe we've been talking for this long about <laughs> adapted musicals <laughs> um, without bringing Spider-Man into the conversation. Oh, it, it's oh. it's there. I was I was waiting for it. Okay. I was well, then I'll, t- the... I'll turn it over to you then for Spider-Man. I, well, I, honestly, I don't know much about it. It was uh, just... it. It's not a good idea. I, it was a probably a very glorious attempt. It Picking probably the most lucrative Marvel character... But... I can also. Oh, sorry. Oh well, no. Go ahead. I was. I could also see where they're coming from, though, when choosing that character. Like you say, it's lucrative, but then you look at Spider-Man's villains specifically. Mm-hmm. You have. Oh gosh, this is gonna like completely escape me now. Scorpion. You have Venom. You have all these other rid- Vulture. Oh, by the way, ridiculously. Before, not to cut you off, but that's Venom, who is not even in the musical, but Carnage is. <laughs> but Carnage. Well, okay. that's a whole other discussion yeah. for a whole other yeah. day. Yeah. Um, but I think that hits on have... exactly what you were saying is that that was basically that that falls in the category of let's make this a musical because we can and because people well, can and you have this that... ridiculous basis because I will say Spider-Man probably has some of the most ridiculous concept villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I can see it. It's uh, it's it's probably of the superheroes one of the easiest to get up on stage i mean yeah you can get superman on stage but all superman really does is fly everything else you you're not going to actually see lasers coming from his yeah. eyes or which we know they his... attempted to do in the 80s they, yeah it's a, it's a bird it's a plane it's a musical <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... but like spider-man you you have legitimate ways for him to to, he flies, but he also sticks to things. And I mean, yes, I, but I think part of it was they said they had, oh, we've got Julie Taymor too, who is a genius at making things work. I mean, look at what she did with The Lion King. Look at what she did with anything else that she directed on stage, <laughs> not to mention her films, which are just stunning. And if I, I'm going to plug this now, if you have not seen Julie Taymor's Titus, please do. But um, it it's just she uses a lot of stage actors in that too. But um, it's just they it it was like oh we have all this stuff we can make this work, and to kind of quote Jurassic Park, they <laughs> you had the ability but you never stopped to ask yourself should we? <laughs> and I mean I, I I feel like that it's kind of the same thing with the King Kong musical. I've heard. Oh my God, King Kong! Mm-hmm. That was a, that was. I did want to bring that up. I'm glad you said that. But yeah, but I like I've I've heard a little bit about it and how beautiful it looks, but mm-hmm. how it it just isn't working. There's no. too much mechanics to it, and agree. What? So well, because once again, it boils down to like why why does this need why does this need to be a musical versus like what are you what story are you telling? What are you with adding? The yeah. Um, but I mean, then you have things like War Horse. Because I, I see mm-hmm. you see Warhorse, which isn't a musical, but it's it's, it's something game, though, that oh we can make this work mm-hmm. and we have this puppetry that just looks beautiful and made it work. Let's yeah, try saw, it with something else. Yeah, Warhorse is one of the most beautiful things I got to see on stage. Um, I, I saw the original London uh, production, and I had never I another I had never read the book, and um, I think that was another one where the book was not in the too distant past it was it's it's it, i don't know what actually when i don't the book know when it came was. out um 
But, uh, oh God, what was the, what was I just going to say? Well, yeah, uh, but to just kind of wrap on the Spider-Man thing, it was, that was, you know, that, that was, I think, when I first started noticing, you know, oh, I respect everybody's art and I respect that you wanted to do something with this, but maybe not everything needs to be a musical. Right. Well, just look at last year's Toadies. There wasn't a musical nomination out there that wasn't a movie adaption. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wedding that Singer is one. another one. Um, Beetlejuice, Be- Mean Girls. Mm. Uh, yeah. Sidebar. We need to see Mean Girls at some point. I did. Don't. Oh, come on. It sounds so good. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, to wind down then on on that note. So we, we've talked about the the prevalence of these types of shows and the the wins the not quite wins um so uh going around what would your top choice or choices be for an unlikely tv show or film to be adapted into a musical Meg, I, I thought you had lists i, was I had lists of things we haven't talked about <laughs> Uh, <laughs> see like i thought of this and i i mean it's it's tough i because sometimes like your favorite things well yeah sure great i would love to see more superhero musicals but how um <laughs> i mean you're not gonna be able to put the flash on stage because you can't make him run that fast yeah you just gotta cast multiple flashes and just have them show up <laughs> there you go the or just get really good at moving in slow-mo moving in slow-mo yeah <laughs> um i i mean and there are some things that uh, i don't know because a lot of a lot of stuff in my head winds up being original concept thing um but something well, to did you have a thing, Meg? Well, I was just about to say one of my bucket list musicals is actually coming to Broadway this year. Uh, I was a child when Moulin Rouge came out, but it has been like my baby forever. Oh, they, they, they are finally doing that. And that is yeah. opening. Yeah. At, after many, many copyright debates, I'm sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, that's a, is, is that a jukebox musical? That I would consider it a jukebox musical with some remix okay. to it. Um, because they do have a lot of pop influences, and I know just from the feedback that it's received so far, it's added a couple more recent pop editions. Um, so I'll be really interested to see what they do with that, because you know that was such a success of using that that vibe of the pop and that they pulled into it um, to create this new thing. So while it is a jukebox, I feel like it's also part original because the story's original, but we're stealing the music. It's it's good confusing right i guess for me well i i've been told that mine doesn't work anymore because i was told by you new year's eve that mine doesn't work because i was gonna say the room just uh i was gonna say the room (laughs) and by the way i i i I fully apparently there is a room musical everyone go see the room musical chicago fringe i'm not involved in it but Um, just love them but but the thing of the reason i say it is i think what what needs to happen with it, and I'm assuming this is how they approach it, is a, a show like The Room, in order to work in that format, you need to be aware of, like, they need to be aware of what it is. And they need to not approach it like Tommy Wiseau and think we're going to make a masterpiece. Like, they need to know, like, this is like the unauthorized Friends musical or the Buffy musical. It's like, the, where it's like the whole point of it is we are, you know, kind of lampooning or 
lovingly, you know, homage. Kind of building off of that. It's very much an Evil Dead sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Evil Dead, the musical based off of the Evil Dead franchise. That's good it leans into the camp of it. Yeah. So at the end, you, you realize what you're working with. You realize the ridiculousness of it. And then in Evil Dead's case, they're just like, let's multiply that by 10, shall we? Uh, any, any final ones I to still, throw out? I still got nothing. You still- <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly, I would love to actually see more musical versions of Shakespeare, like some of his comedies. Yeah. And I mean, I get well, it, they're there are some that are strictly like it, it, like integrated in the Shakespeare, but I, right. but like a uh, West side story where, or an all shook up where it is loosely based on the plot, but the music is there. And, and there's the, but I think that's the thing you have to find that niche, like all shook up, took the plot, but had, it was all Elvis Presley music. So yeah, it's a jukebox musical, but it it's putting that to the story. Right. And uh, for me, other things, like I, I had been sitting around and when I was really into Queen, I was piecing together a jukebox musical with Queen music. But it's 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 things like those. I mean, another another one which doesn't really fit into the category of what we're talking about, but American Idiot which is not based on a TV show or anything, but it's based on an album, which in part was a concept album, but it translated so well to the stage, yet is what we would still traditionally call a jukebox musical because it's just the music of Green Day. Well, same thing with Hades Town that's going up on Broadway right now. It's based on a, forgive me if this is incorrect, it's based on an EP that was all done, another concept album. Yeah. And now, look, it's grown into this huge thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there are things that I would like to see, but I just, I don't quite know that there's any specific television show or movie. Well, okay. There is, (laughs) I guess it just popped (laughs) into my head, but one thing that we've never really seen is, at least not in any successful way, which would lend itself so well as The Princess Bride. Oh, oh yes. right. I mean, it, right. the film itself is practically uh-huh. a musical, not not in the literal tent sense, but it's but got the camp arc. in a narrative arc. It, it's got that camp of the musical theater genre, where so much fantastical stuff happens. So, oh, I would pay so much money for that. I know. Let's write it ourselves. Let's do it. Let's do it. And let's do it through. Boom. Sorry, serial killers. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> what? Um. All right. Well, as I think that kind of concludes an amazing first discussion uh, on our trumpet discussion series. Um, one thing I will throw out there, Sean, if you would like to see more superhero-themed musicals, I do know that there is an off-Broadway show running right now called The Scarlet Savior. Written uh, by our dear friend, all of our dear friends, Lily Dwoskin. Lily Dwoskin. For, oh. for any New York listeners of The Trumpet, um... I'll Please go and see that and support it. It's supposed to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw Also support the following show, The Cat Massacre, <laughs> written by Lily's fiance as well, and sponsored by Kittens in a Blender, the board game. Oh, wow. I didn't know that they had that sponsorship. They did. Surprise. Uh, speaking of cats, shout out to Albus, who I almost kicked out of here at the start because I didn't trust him with podcast records. 
but who's been on his best behavior. He behaved so well. Good kitty. Although, like, okay, so I don't know if... I know the three of us listened to it, but I don't think that we're going to get him to meow at the end like they do at My Favorite Murder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll start working on that. All right, we got to get that going. And... Want a kitty? All right, well... <laughs> uh, and one final thing before we wrap up. It was very important uh, that I made it known that at the start of this record, Sean was indeed wearing a dragon tail. <laughs> my legs got warm, but my feet are still cold, but my legs were too warm, so I took it off. Oh. All right. On that note, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Megan, Sean, for joining. Anytime, Robert. Thanks for having me. And until Thanks, next Sean. time. <laughs> and until and until the next time, this is Robert Jean Pelleccio, your host, signing off. I um I just want you to know before I I restrained so hard from making an elephant noise while you were announcing this you can make it now i can't make an elephant noise though Just not a try, good one try your best <laughs> <laughs> thanks is better than mine <laughs>